Welcome to the Social Minute, the podcast that looks at the social network minute by minute. Today, we are going to be covering Minute 33, which goes from 32 to 32.59 on the clock. Uh, and in this minute, uh, we get a little bit of Mark taking a, a jab at Eduardo uh, before we move on to the uh, the email back and forth um, where Mark does a lot of cancelling of stuff. Um, and we finish just as somebody is about to tell us about the statue of three lies. Um, and we actually finished with the line, take off your pants, uh, which is not as erotic as it sounds, um, because it's a senior telling it to some kid out in the freezing cold <laughs> to take off his pants. Not as erotic to you. Well, yes. And joining me to talk about today is Ollie Brady. Hello, Ollie. <laughs> hey, Darren. How are you? I just can't wait to get to these pants scenes. <laughs> well, unfortunately, you'll have to wait until the next minute because this is just the, the, the setup for the pant drop. The pan- oh, so frustrating. The pant drop happens tomorrow. But yeah, we're, again, as with the previous couple of minutes, we're bouncing between the timelines. Um, so, you know, we, we've got obviously the wonderful score from, uh, you know, from the guy out Nine Inch Nails. I can't remember his name now. Trent Reznor. And, Trent Reznor. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're getting this this kind of build up with the music. Like, it's not, I mean, it's not like crescendoing or anything, but it's just kind of, you know, pulsing underneath the scenes. And Mark says to Eduardo, you know, good job, because, you know, we find out that he's made the second cut with the, you know, the brandishing of the envelope. And, you know, he says, you should be proud of that right there. Don't worry if you don't make any further. And there's kind of a, I I love the way that Andrew Goffel's like, I'll get out of here. (laughs) Like, you know, he knows that, like, Mark probably is saying, it feels like Mark is saying it because obviously that's what he believes. As he'd said in a previous scene, you know, maybe it's just diversity. But also, you know, maybe to kind of usher Eduardo out of his way. Like, like, okay, you made the second cut, but, you know, maybe you will make it further. Maybe you won't. And then, you know, Eduardo, obviously feeling a little comfortable, is just like, I'm I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, and we kind of jump back to the deposition. And then we have, you know, the reading out of, um, I have a CS problem. I have a CS problem set that I'm just getting started with. And it should be about 15 hours of coding. So I'll be busy tomorrow night. And then Divya kind of giving this wonderful... I won't really be free to meet until next Wednesday afternoon. And I love that next yeah. Wednesday afternoon is such a specific time and place. It's like, yeah, that's that's when I'm going to be, you know, not just Wednesday, but Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. And the three lads look at each other at this. And Divya, I think this is the one, shows the email yeah. to... Um, I'm going to guess which one it's Cameron because he doesn't look like he's angry. <laughs> so he shows it to Cameron and they all look incredulous that somebody's blowing us off. Yeah. And, like, and this is back in the dining room where they first kind of came up with the, you know, where they first found out about Mark Zuckerberg. Um, so it's a nice little kind of, you know, location switch because obviously we've seen them in the, the dorm quite a bit. So it's it's great that they kind of switch. And then, you know, we we jump back to the deposition and it's like, I'll have to cancel Wednesday afternoon. I've basically <laughs> been in the lab the whole time. And then he goes, and also, and then this is where we cut to um, probably, I don't know, one of my favorite scenes in the film. And it's it's literally like, I don't know, three seconds. Uh, but they're in like, a, as it's described in the script, a hamburger joint. 
and you know the the Winkle <laughs> the Winkle Viar eating, and um, you know Divya is is reading. You know, won't be able to do Saturday as I have to meet up with my parents, and it's <laughs> it's like I I love Mark Zuckerberg specifically saying I'll be free Wednesday afternoon, then immediately cancelling that, but then also adding in. I'm not going to be free Saturday either. <laughs> like, don't even try to email me about Saturday. I'm already busy that Saturday. Um, so it's kind of weird because it feels like Mark Zuckerberg has very precise plans, but at the same time has no kind of idea of how to keep a hold of time. Um, you know, and my the, the kind of the brief jaunt into the, the, the hamburger joint where we get to see Divian Rendra's Blackberry as he reads this email... Um, it's probably my favourite because in the behind the scenes, obviously, uh, David Fincher has a reputation for shooting scenes, you know, a few dozen times. And <laughs> he did that with this scene. So that one line, they did it like, I don't know, about 30 times. And each time Divya is reading it, the Winklevoss, both of them, um, you know, obviously Army Hammer and Josh Pence on set. But, you know, later on, both Army Hammer, uh, they're, they, they're eating burgers or, you know, they're, they're eating food. And in the behind the scenes thing, we see this, like this scene is, you know, it's literally a few seconds, but they shot it like over and over. And like literally they, you know, both Josh Pence and um, Army Hammer, like half eight, like about two dozen burgers and had to spit them all out. <laughs> and it's and behind the scenes, like, you know, most, most of the time the cast were quite happy to shoot scenes, you know, dozens of times because... Um, you know, Jesse Eisenberg in a few interviews, he said, you know, it doesn't it just means that like each take isn't as like doesn't have any importance. It's like you can be, you know, it can be the worst take or the best take. It doesn't matter because, you know, you're going to get, you know, another two or three tries or another 20 tries. So, you know, you'll get the best take eventually. And that's what David Finch will use. And so, he, you know, a lot of the cast were like it, it was really freeing. But and the behind the scenes for this particular scene, <laughs> this is where Army Hammer and Josh Pence were both like, we just hate this scene. Like we they don't want to shoot it anymore at a certain point because they've been shooting for a whole day just in this. Th- and it's just literally one line in the script. But they just kept because every <laughs> single time they like they were already eating when they when the line was delivered. So they have to obviously do that every time. And it's just really funny to see them kind of getting sick. Uh, I think at one point Army Hammer is like, I'm sick of burgers. I don't ever want to eat a burger again because they just kept, <laughs> kept doing it over and over again. So whenever I see that that one little tiny brief line, I'm like, it's really funny that they shot that like so many times. And basically that's all we see in the film is just that one single line. <laughs> For three seconds. Yeah, and they yeah. basically like made themselves sick, um, you know, from that. Um, and, you know, then we cut to Harvard Yard, um, which I believe that's the correct way to say that. I'm sure there's other people who put some certain accents on those A's. Um, and Harvard Yard. And, we, yeah, or I, I mean, I, if JFK was to say it, of course, it'd be Harvard Yard. Um, and so <laughs> it's snowing. Um, you know, I think some of this snow is actually on the ground and a portion of it is digital because obviously that is what David Fincher likes to do. And I certainly know that the breath that's coming out of their mouths is digital because it's it kind of doesn't look completely convincing. Um, it's probably one of the only times in this film where the CGA kind of lets it down just a little bit because obviously, you know, the stuff with the Winklevoss twins is flawless. Um, and we, we get, you know, uh, Eduardo standing with a group of, you know, prospective members who, you know, are probably going to, they're all trying to get into the Phoenix. Um, and some of them are already have their, their, their trousers, or I believe Americans call them pants for some reason, around their ankles. <laughs> and we can see their pants, which, you know, I don't know why, but Americans, I don't know, they call them something else, I'm guessing. And 
So, you know, they're all, I mean, in the description, in the, in the script, it's described that they're all blue and shivering. <laughs> and uh, and I, I, I don't think that's completely correct, because I think some of them seem to be holding out better than some of the others. And obviously, Eduardo being our hero in this scene, he seems to be the one who's holding up the best. Obviously, in the next minute, someone will throw up uh, and it's not Eduardo. Eduardo is being made to look worthy here, basically, of, of kind of joining this finals club. And, you know, the senior who is there with them says the plaque reads, this is John Harvard, founder of Harvard University in 1638. It is also called the Statue of the Three Lies. And then he turns to the guy standing next to Eduardo and says, what are the three lies, Mr. Dowd? Uh, and obviously the guy is kind of cold, so he doesn't seem to hear him. And he's like, Mr. Dowd. And then, you know, he says the three <laughs> lies. And then the scene finishes just as he says the first. And he just goes, shit. And then, <laughs> and then of course, the senior goes, take off your pants. And that's where we finish. Um and I, I don't know, I, it's it's kind of funny because, you know, um, that is a real statue in Harvard Yard. Um, and I don't think that um, I don't think that this film had permission to shoot anywhere on the grounds of Harvard. So obviously this is a recreation of the statue that has been, you know, set up somewhere else um, in a place that kind of looks a bit like Harvard Yard and is <laughs> and is not Harvard Yard. Um so, yeah, I, I guess I, I guess it's funny because obviously, you know, when we talked about the kind of finals clubs in the first few minutes, you know, the idea is obviously these are kind of like exclusive clubs that like, you know, more exclusive than kind of fraternities or anything like that. Um, and then, you know, we see everybody partying and, we, you know, that's obviously the positive side of whatever these are. And I think, you know, a, a similar thing with frats, although I think fraternities these days in America are banned from hazing people. So maybe it's a little easier to kind of get into some of those. Um, but here we have kind of the trials of what Eduardo was going through. You know, previously he was just kind of out drinking all night with them. But now we see that, you know, there are kind of certain tests that they have to pass. And it also makes me think that Mark uh, Zuckerberg, the character in the film, rather than, you know, the real person, doesn't seem like the person who would kind of want to go through these kind of trials. I don't think he would want to stand in the freezing no. cold being asked about a statue, even though he probably would be able to tell you the three lies without, you know, even kind of thinking about it. But it's kind of interesting because as Eduardo goes through these kind of tests, it makes me think, uh, you know, Mark maybe would have wanted to be in the finals club, but not really go through the kind of the process of joining. And maybe that's why he's you yeah. know, happy just kind of coding away uh, in his dorm room. Darren, did you ever join an exclusive club that, uh, Made you jump through hoops to get into it? <laughs> no, never. I there's never been. I also have that never have the desire to kind of, um, like join a club of that type. It like it doesn't really appeal to me in any way. It, it's like well, what we, I think by the time you get in, you'd be like, what was the point of this? I could have I could have spent my life doing something better than trying to get into this club. That you know, if if they really want to put that many kind of like barriers up, do they really want people in their club? Or you know, that's always kind of the motivating thought bit for me is like you know if you if you really want people to join your club just let them join your club much like that biscuit <laughs> it's like blockbuster video yeah like they made me bring in two types of id yeah uh thinking do you really want me to join because <laughs> surely one type of id is enough <laughs> why do you need a second type? yeah but they they were very thorough and in fairness People with two types of ID are unlikely to steal videos. <laughs> yeah. Or you could actually rent um, VCPs, which are video cassette players, not video cassette recorders. Um, you could oh. you could rent them from Blockbuster for like uh, I think twenty five pounds. I I once rented one for a couple of nights uh, because I didn't own a, a VCR at the time. Um, and in the kind of, t I don't know, I, the last thing I remember doing that had anything to do with Blockbuster was uh, renting a PlayStation 1. 
uh, with a friend of mine for a couple of nights and and you know a couple of games um you know back when you know purchasing uh, a playstation was quite an expensive uh, enterprise uh but yeah i and I, I i i i mean this kind of trial again i don't know i don't know if this is actually how they do it or if they still do it now or you know i don't know the validity of this um but because eduardo Savrin was willing to be interviewed for the book that on which this film is based i'm guessing this is probably one of the more accurate scenes in the film um, whether or not Eduardo, as we'll find out in the next minute, can easily pass the test. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's that's an actual event, but I'm guessing that this is probably one of the hazing rituals that they did um, for this particular kind of uh, this particular club. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love I just love again. I'm a fan of the kind of Divya reading out everyone's emails. Um, I think, you know, if Divya Narendra in the real world wanted to make some kind of profit, he would have you know, offered that as a service, you know, Divya, read your emails. You don't even need to read them. You just, <laughs> you know, he comes round. He was the original, the original voice pack. Yeah, he just kind of sits in the corner and when your emails come in, he just opens them up and just sits there and just reads them. And, you know, if you want, you can force him to read all your spam emails that make no sense. <laughs> You've been contacted by a Nigerian prince. Yeah, I, th- I think actually that would have been funny if we'd have cut to Divya one time and he's just reading like spam emails and he's like, I, I, <laughs> do we know this person? They're, like, they're, they're referring to us as dear Mr. Narendra, so maybe they know me. Like, I would, uh, I would just kind of love that, yeah. But I, I, the funny thing is, well, we don't, we, we kind of, we'd get the subject line again of like, you know, um, but this time it's from Mark Zuckerberg to Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss and Divya Narendra. So he mm. he has actually started to include Divya in the emails. Um, so, you know, we said yesterday, obviously, they were just going to Cameron and Tyler, but now he's getting included. So he's not just reading someone else's emails. He's reading his own emails out aloud, which, you know, in a public setting, of course, is what you always want to hear. You know, see people with these, you know, at the time, I'm thinking the Blackberries were fairly expensive. So reading off his super oh, expensive yeah. phone in public, his emails, it's like... If I was at the table next to them, his hamburger joint, I'd be like, yeah, we get it. You're rich. You've got a phone. You're getting emails. Stop reading them out for everybody to hear. I don't care about this guy and his plans on Saturday, you know. Is there anything else that in this minute you think we need to talk about? No, the only thing I would say is you're just mentioning the BlackBerry. Isn't it nice to see a mobile phone that still has a keyboard? <laughs> yeah. Like it's 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 one that has, like, I don't know if you ever had one of those, Darren. I think I got one about four years after that. So like, touchscreen phones are already well in advanced stages of uh, development and use by common people at that stage and i got one that had that little keyboard it was great but my god like you had to be so precise at where you were putting your fingers to be hitting the buttons it's it's weird just to think back to like it, it is a nice tactile feel to use one of those things yeah but it was so unintuitive in comparison to the way touchscreens are now yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 you know, basically my first phone that I had was a um, Ericsson GA628. Um, and uh, nice. yeah, I had that for a couple of years and then I had the T20, T28, I think it is, the little flip one. Uh, yeah, the one you, you that press had the little, thing. The little stubby, yeah. little stubby yeah, ear on that's it. Yeah. it. And, uh, and then I went into the, the, the kind of the fish, the fish-shaped T28, uh, T28i. Um, so, uh, you know, I think I was still on Sony Ericsson, like Walkman type phones by the time this film came out. Uh, and only in the last kind of few years have I finally switched to a smartphone, as it were. 
Um, but yeah, mm. I mean, the thing is as well is like, you know, kind of writing text or writing anything on like the, the phones that had the, the, the kind of the normal keypad where you had to press things more than once. Uh, these days seems, <laughs> I guess, like kind of foreign maybe to young children. If you were like, here, write a, write a text on this thing, they'd probably be like, I, I, why do I just keep writing ah over and over again? Um, yeah. You know, so, but yeah, I mean, it, it is like, again, that's kind of like a little kind of detail. Um, the Wednesday question is, um, you know, what are your thoughts on other David Fincher films? You know, do you have a favorite? Is this your favorite? Um, you know, this is this is not my favorite. This is very good. Um, I I love David Fincher's movies, with the exception of the case of Benjamin Button, which I kind of dropped a little bit in the the Monday episode. Um, I just I think the entire premise is like there's a lot of things that I would accept in a movie. Magical realism is never going to be one of them. I'm sorry, I just I don't do it. Right? Why? I I've no interest in any of this shenanigans. I will sit there and happily watch Avengers Endgame twice six hours of my time gone i'll watch them back to back have a great time but i'm not going to sit there and watch oh this is perfectly normal that a man is going to start out as an old person and grow to become a baby again and eventually like it's nonsense right is it well directed yeah pretty sure i think i was so annoyed by it that i didn't like it but i the first of his movies i saw was alien 3 because i love the alien franchise and I kind of love Alien 3, so I, like people shit on it, and I'm not going, nope, it's a great movie. Uh, then obviously we had Seven. Uh, the Game is a great movie. It's really underrated. Panic Room is, uh, it's good. It's like, it's a good movie. Like, it's not, it's not earth-shattering. It's not going to melt your mind. Then I think after that is my favorite movie, and I think it's the best movie since 2000, and that's Zodiac. I think it's unbelievable. I could watch it. I, guess if, I might sit down and watch it this evening after we record, Darren, because there, there's it's a lot of people don't like it because it's slow um, or because it's a lot of the, the scenes in it that are the most interesting scenes are very tense. And maybe people just don't enjoy feeling that tense all the time. But I don't think there's a shot out of place in that movie. And there are several scenes and several shots in particular where the cinematographer should have been given every, just give them all the Oscars. <laughs> uh, they're just absolutely beautifully shot. And the way that he, the way that the director has set up the scenes and films the scenes and, and what he's getting the actors to do. I, so like, I'm sure you're going to get this from everybody's talking, but if, if you haven't seen Zodiac, just go watch Zodiac. It's amazing. I mean, that is a film which now the three main stars are Mysterio, Hulk and Iron Man. Um, yeah, that so, is <laughs> so, so and the and the weirdest thing is, I don't think there's anybody else in that film that's even like been in a like MCU film at all. No, I don't think anybody is it. Like Chloe Savini is his wife in it, and then everybody else is just randomers. Like not, we're probably going to find out that Anthony uh, Edwards. Come on, no, no, right. no, no. Sorry, no, yeah. sorry. Yeah, well, Doctor Green, of course, <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, you, we're probably going to find out without even thinking about that. Uh, Roger Sterling is uh, has been it. Not uh, sorry. What's his um? What's the actor's name? Uh, he plays Howard Stark. Uh, Tony's dad, and he's Roger Sterling in in Mad Men. But we'll probably find out that he played one of the cops in it or something. You know? Oh, but he's in the MCU too. But like, it's just a really good cast. It's really well done. Uh, and also, I kind of like the girl with the dragon tattoo as well. So. 
Hey, I mean, you know, every like the last two Decembers, I have done something that I call Finchmas, which is I rewatch every single David Fincher film leading up to Christmas. Oh, nice. And uh, Girl with Rang Tattoo, I think I saw that Boxing Day, whatever year that came out. And, uh, you know, like, I mean, I, I'd seen all three of the original films in the cinema. Uh, the Swedish, I say Swedish films. It was a six-part miniseries that they kind of hacked up and turned into three films. So, um, you know, so I kind of already knew everything that was happening in the film. Um, but they kind of, they changed a little tiny bit of it towards the end. So it wasn't the exact same. Uh, and I was kind of disappointed that they never really kind of got to do a sequel. Because it feels like, you know, the next two chapters of that that kind of like series are slightly more interesting than the, than the kind of the opening one. Like the mystery in it isn't really like that interesting um you know it's mostly just kind of like the mood um but yeah i do kind of like you know james bond kind of getting like basically falling down hills and getting shot at and kind of just <laughs> just kind of not having a fun time out in the freezing yeah, cold and and not not being a badass just being a normal like a normal dude like he's he's just a reporter in it like and and meant to be a reporter who's not particular like as you said you saw the swedish one like it's great because he looks like Daniel Craig in the English language version. In the Swedish one, he does look like a middle-aged dude. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I would say, you know, I mean, you're saying that there's a bunch of random people in Zodiac. But, the, I mean, Dermot Mulroney, you know, Elias Koteas, Donald Logue. I mean, you know. I've, yeah, Donald Logue, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. well, people are going to mention Terriers again. Like. <laughs> well, I, w- I wouldn't. I would say just like Heaven, where he appears with with, oh. uh, <laughs> with Mark Ruffalo and Reese Witherspoon. Uh, yeah, obviously, everybody's favorite movie, just like yeah. Heaven. Oh, you know, with, is he with dead? A, with, is he not cover, dead? With the cover of that song by Katie Mellower in the uh, in the end credits, I think. Um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, but the thing is, I read, I read the novel that Just Like Heaven was based on, and true story... I saw the trailer and I thought, oh, my God, this, that's ripping off the plot line of this this book that I read. And then, <laughs> and then I saw the poster and I walked past it and it was like and I looked very closely and it was like based on the book. And I was like, oh, so it's just an adaptation, but they've called it a different name. But, you know, this, that means that Donald Logue has appeared with Mark Ruffalo in two films uh, at the very least. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's a great cast. Um, but, yeah, I'm also a huge fan of Benjamin Button. Love that film. Can't, you know, like... I mean, oh, the, the I chemistry I between no, Brad Pitt and... I think it's the middle hour that's kind of the best part, which is where, as Brad Pitt kind of... When they're the same yeah, age. Yeah, as they kind of cross. That's, yeah. That kind of, that love story and the whole thing with the, you know, the ballerina part where she breaks a leg and, like, if this person had left, like, a minute earlier and hadn't bumped into that person and, like, that whole little sequence is kind of amazing. And also, again, I mean, Elias Katarias, I've just mentioned him <laughs> because he's in Zodiac, but he's also in Benjamin Button at the beginning as a... Uh, Mr. Gatto making his clock that goes backwards. And, you know, I think mm. that's an amazing sequence with, like, you know, like the idea of a clock that goes backwards because he wants to resurrect his, you know, the dead who've just died in this war. You know, that's that's kind of like, it's like a mini little piece in itself, the, the little opening. Um, so you could always... Yeah, it's, re- it's really, really well directed, Darren. Yeah. Just take your magical realism. <laughs> well, I mean, also you have, of course, you know, noted Russian Jared Harris in the film as well. <laughs> um, and and also and also featuring you know everyone's favorite uh, Chinese gentleman, the ancient one, uh, Tilda Swinton. So <laughs> yeah. you know there's some there's some great. I think the thing I think the thing with it is if you view it as a series of like small vignettes, like each of them is kind of you know is really interesting. Maybe it doesn't add up to something, but you know I think you can kind of watch the stuff with him and Tilda Swinton, 
and you know it's it's it, that's kind of like an interesting little story and you know like the the clock with mr ghetto and then of course you know i mean I, re I remember seeing it in the cinema and every time they went back to the guy who'd been struck by lightning like you know the first kind of couple of times people were like okay i guess you know like this guy's been struck by lightning like seven times and we're gonna hear about all of them and by the time it got to like the sixth time people were kind of they were they, they knew what was going to happen and it kept like getting like a big laugh, like you know this guy keeps getting struck by lightning, which is kind of, and it's made him like so completely scrambled that that's the only thing he can remember is that he's been struck by lightning. Um, the only thing I like about Benjamin Button is every year into the future we go, we get to see how incorrect they were with their old man makeup on Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like every single day I just sit there and go, yeah, they didn't get that right. He was still like. Even at his age now, because he's, what, 50-odd? Yeah. He still, looks very, he still looks fresh faced and handsome. Yeah. I think there's only, like, five years between him and Clooney, but, you know, in some films, they kind of give the impression there's more than five years between. Father and, father and son yeah. is what they look like. Yeah, but, um, um, I mean, I also, the important thing about Benjamin Button, obviously, is that it was a kind of dry run for the technology that was then improved on for, you know, the, the Winklevoss twins. Um, so it kind of it kind of helped David Fincher a little bit there. Also, it was nice that we didn't have to wait like five years for another David Fincher film. Like we got Zodiac and then immediately Benjamin Button. And then a couple of years later, you know, he was on a little bit of a run that he, you know, it was nice to kind of have David Fincher back and kind of making films regularly instead of having to wait like that huge gap between Panic Room and... Uh, what did he do after... I know he's done something since to go with Dragon Tattoo. Gone Girl. And, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. That, do you know what? Actually... Yeah. It's not a bad movie. It's, it's a good movie. Like, it's a, genuinely it is. I I think just because I don't want to spoil it. I think the conceit of it is a little bit too much. But I thought that about the book as well. Yeah. So well, I mean, you know, in truth, like everything that you see that's in the diary is not real. Yes. That's that, but it, obviously, it's only on the second viewing that you realise that, and you realise that by the time you get to meet Nick, in reality. He's not the act like he's nothing like the person <laughs> that is described in the book, you know, that she's writing about him. So it's 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 a kind of clever thing. I saw that twice at the cinema and seen it a second time and having people kind of take a sharp gasp when halfway through the film she shows up. They're like, that was always interesting to see because people were just like, <gasps> like, and then they finally sort of understood what was happening. Um, but yeah, also a good performance from uh, from Tyler Perry out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> you know, he's he's like a joy in that film. Like he, every you scene mean, he's in. You mean Alex Cross? Yeah, Alex Cross. Every every scene he's in in that film, he's actually really kind of interesting and like, you know, he's he's portraying like an archetype that you would have expected would have gone, you know, to someone like Robbie Downey Jr. Like that, he's playing that kind of character who has that kind of charisma and, you know, I don't think it makes any of the films that where he puts his own name before them any more interesting any more interesting yeah but yeah. Uh, it's still you know it's a good performance uh well i feel like we said about as much as we're going to say about this minute so let's go to plugs is there anything that you wish to plug yeah i do two podcasts of my own one's called best acquaintances where myself and my best friend we interview people that we know through social media so people that we know through facebook people that we know through i don't know viber uh, whatever um so we just talk to people that we we've met and we get to know about them in real life and find out, you know, what their story is. And most people seem to be very interesting. And then the second one I do is called Medieval, where my friend Sarah F. Decker, who I met through Best Acquaintances, we watch medieval set movies together. And because she happens to have a PhD in medieval history and she teaches it at a college level in an American university somewhere in like 
Indiana or somewhere. I, I don't know where it is. I, I do know where it is, but I want her to listen to this and have me pretend that I don't know where it is, right? But see, in the university that she works in, uh, it's like Bloomington or something, right? So in the university that she works in, she is the expert in medieval history and she then rips them apart for accuracy. So she'll tell you whether or not A Knight's Tale got stuff right or wrong. She'll tell you whether Gladiator is a good or bad movie. Spoiler, it's good, but she thinks it's bad. But anyway, the important thing is it's a good time and she gets it. Like you will genuinely learn stuff from that podcast. And you'll also get to listen to me saying, yeah, stab him in the face. And you can find us on MySpace at myspace.com slash the social minute or on Twitter at social underscore minute or on Facebook at the social minute podcast. Thanks as well for being my guest here today, Ollie. Always a pleasure. And otherwise, I'll see you tomorrow.